0: Welcome back to the Tribute Game Podcast. This is our second episode. It's recorded in our studios in Montreal. We have two games out right now. Uh, uh, there's Wizard, which is like a block breaker with RPG elements, and then uh, there's Mercenary Kings, which is like uh, that's out right now. This podcast is really just what uh, the conversations we have uh, in the break room or during lunch. So it's a bit of a, a sneak peek into like the discussions that we have in uh, as game developers as independent game developers, uh, this week, um, we're still uh, toying around, we're still playing around with the format, so uh, this episode, we've only taken, uh, we've taken questions from Twitter followers, and uh, but we're still playing around with it, so this is what it looks for this episode, maybe the episode will, maybe it'll be different next week, we're still tinkering with it, it'll, the way developers tinker with prototypes, so, uh, oh, uh, see how it all comes together, how it ties together, so yeah, let's join in this discussion that's already in progress. Yeah, yeah, bop it. Yes, let's bop the English button. Uh, okay, so we're back uh, at the, uh, for another episode of the Tribute Game Podcast. Around the table, there's me, uh, Yannick. I am uh, a writer and uh, social manager at Tribute Games. At my right, there's.
1: Jonathan? Yes. Uh, who are you and what do you do at Tribute, Jonathan? I'm a game designer and also c- uh, co founder of the company. Stefan? Uh, general artist. In front of me,
2: there's... Can I... Hello, uh, I'm Justin. I'm a artist, animator, game
0: designer.
3: I'm Dom, Dom2D. Uh, if, if Steph is a general artist, I, can I be commander of game design? <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's for a, that's for Jonathan to decide. How do you... Can I... I Five-star general or Five-star general or something. Yeah.
1: Well, we're all general artists, so we could just have different ranks or something. Okay.
0: Uh, we got questions from Twitter. We'll answer those to create content in, in this show. Uh, uh, at Persona persona uh, Sama asks us, which is uh, Joe Kim, right? Jonathan Kim. Jonathan Kim. Our good friend. Yes. Woo-hoo. We uh, worked
2: with him on uh, Scott Pilgrim. Yeah. And we'd known him for a long time before that from the uh, insert credit forms.
0: So he asks us, like, uh, which game would, you, would we bring to a desert island? Like, thinking that on this desert island, we can play any type of game and they have electricity and yes yes they have uh, Yeah, it's like one of the island's only property if you bring like a console on it it works yeah. how many people are we on this island? I imagine that the, what he's asking maybe you're alone uh, you're probably so alone so no yeah. tower fall. No, no tower fall. well I guess you could play it alone in just not yes, so you want to get the ball rolling well it would be <laughs> I, I would like it to be Link's Awakening because it, it would be like <laughs> it would fit with my situation which is what I like that's yeah yeah yeah, so that's uh, that's my zinger for this one. Did so you
2: ever play the uh, the enhanced uh, Game Boy version,
0: the DX? Version? Yeah, the DX version. No, I never have. What's uh, what's special about it?
2: What's deluxe about it? Uh, well, it's because when they had like I guess the the color Game Boy color. Yeah, they added like extra du- one extra dungeon that played I guess with some the fact that you could have extra colors added to it. Is there
0: an extra item in it, or just I don't th-
2: think so. Just an extra dungeon. And uh, maybe some other content, too? I don't know. I've never played it. That's why I'm okay. wondering if you...
0: <laughs> well, you know what? I, I, I'll i bring that one to the desert island, because then I'll have uh, uh, extra stuff to discover, which is great. And you'll have color in your life. Yeah, yeah. I, I, colors I would not see in nature, otherwise, they would be still on my Game Boy.
3: Yeah.
0: I guess mine would be Spelunky. I've played 2,000 games of Spelunky,
3: and it, I'm still not tired of it. Like yes. it's, I, I'm still finding new... You dynamic stuff that happens there that surprises me, so I guess it's kind of infinite in a way. Yeah.
2: I have to bring uh, some game from the Monster Hunter series. Yes. Probably Freedom Unite. (laughs) Yeah. Because it's the one i played the most, and um, it's weird because that game went through like an overhaul, and the older games are harder to play, but I don't know, I went back to it and I still played another 100 hours, so... Freedom Unite for me. Oh, I and mean, you would never get tired of it. I surprised myself. I played just to see something like at the start of the game, and then 100 hours later I was like, wait, I was just supposed to see this thing at the start.
3: How many, I how, many, how many hours did we play total? Uh,
2: the, the whole series or just that game?
3: Well, like any one title in a series.
2: I played that one for 800 hours.
3: And. <laughs>
0: <laughs> more. <laughs> yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah, so it's uh, eight hundred nine,
0: and it's not court ordered. It's not like I'm doing like a community service
1: or so still bring it.
3: Yeah, it's ridiculously good. How yeah. anyway? I guess Joe would be also monster hunter.
1: Yeah, it's a good, it's a good choice. But I think I'd bring another Capcom game, uh, um, Street Fighter Two, or or uh, precisely Super Street Fighter Two on the Super NES.
3: Even if you're alone.
1: Yeah, because I've, I've been playing this game constantly since like since it came out. <laughs> since its release. <laughs> yeah, since since <laughs> its released. And uh, I always wanted to finish it at the hardest difficulty level without losing a round. But I, I, I always mess up at some point, so I, I want to be able to to make it yeah. and once I can finish it without losing a round like I finished it without losing a match but I, I always mess up just one round so I want to yeah, I want to achieve that so yeah. on an island I, I have time to achieve that yeah yeah it's the only thing you have to do yeah and I could do that with, with all the 16 characters in the yeah in the game as well.
3: Oh, you also have to survive on the island, but that's another.
1: We we assume that there's uh, survival is do- is doable.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, we assume that there's the island is comfortable enough that you can play some video games.
3: Okay, can I bring like World of Warcraft
0: and have friends? And... Oh, I'll wow. allow it.
3: Okay, I'll allow it. <laughs> but then my, someday maybe the the MMO will shut down and I will have no no more games.
0: Well, that, that you picked your game, then you're done. That's uh, you should have chosen something else. I'm sorry, Don. Uh, we have another question. Uh, it's not exactly a question from Ashley Lee at the uh, Jelly Square. Uh, asks uh, something about uh, Reversity Ransom. So, I guess we have to talk about Reversity Ransom or just say something about it that we like. Oh, jeez, where to start? It's...
1: I like how, how the, the character eats the, the plates mm-hmm. <laughs> when they eat in shops. And i also like that there's a sauna where they're naked yeah, yeah i can see their little tiny oh, yeah. butts which is great yeah and that's what i have to say about the <laughs> restaurant that's pretty well food
0: and butts it's uh, yeah. all stuff we have so i like
2: that it's really good like contemporary urban exploration and it never really deviates from it like when you go to a shop it's not m- priced in gold like i have no idea what a gold coin is worth but like a Hot dogs like a buck
1: fifty. That's about right.
0: Yeah, it's ideal uh, uh, buck pricing as far as I'm concerned.
1: Yeah. Cool. Yeah, and the willpower stat is pretty great as well because you don't see that in many games. It's pretty much the only game where there's yeah. a willpower stat. What
3: does it do? Is it the weapon? No.
1: No, it, it only changes how many times you can get up when your all your HP is is depleted. That's interesting. But it, it's um, it also depletes, so you you have to eat more food to re-increase your willpower. Hmm. Oh, yeah, it's pretty Why,
3: why was that not in Scott
1: is it in Scott Pilgrim? Yeah, I think there's something like it in Scott Pilgrim.
0: I think we had a lot of other problems.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to figure out. So many details.
0: Yeah, your own uh, real willpower was being tested as you were uh, working on yeah. that game. We, we had gotten up quite a few times from yeah. yeah. Can you guys talk a bit about the experience of meeting Scott Pilgrim? Like, just really quickly, like, one of the big things that <coughs> happened? Uh, I think we'd
2: have to dedicate a whole podcast. To yeah, like it could
1: sure. be a, like a two hour and a half movie.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, another time. Yeah. Uh, our main uh, subject that we'd uh, talk today would be um, someone asked, I didn't write down the, the name, so I'm sorry, but I uh, would like to know how. Game concepts come about like on the day to day. Like, how do you come up with a concept for a game or for gameplay and stuff like that? And how that evolves and changes from during production and stuff like that. So, so the Mama game comes yes. up to the Papa game. Yes. And uh... insert his, car- his cartridge <laughs> and his game pack into yes. the, the, the. And then the... then the baby game comes out. Yeah, and everybody loves it. Sounds erotic, Dominic. <laughs> So I guess you guys can talk about how Curses or... Uh... Yeah, because right now we're we're in mid-production <coughs> for a game that uh, Justin, uh, uh, you're working on, sure. on it with Jonathan. Like, uh, but you've created, you came up sure. with it. Yeah. So can you talk about... Uh, it's called Curses and Chaos. We premiered it at uh, PAX uh, this spring. And uh, you can see a trailer online. So you, you go on YouTube and you can find that out. But uh, what is that game and how did it came about? Sure. It?
2: Well, um... It's really just sort of like a, a throwback to, like, old action games, like NES games, much like we do here at the company. But we wanted to see if we could make, uh, because it was actually supposed to be our second game. It was supposed to be released, like, shortly after Wizard, because we found ourselves with, like, a very short amount of time. We're like, ah, we have to come up with an idea that we know we can see start to finish in a relatively short amount of time. So it was just born from the idea, like, if we just load the screen full of, like, really simple pattern enemies, can we make something out of it? So we prototyped, and we had something, and we kind of got the ball rolling from there. How does it work? How does the game work? Yeah, Like, everything, to describe it, uh, everything takes place on one screen, it's like two-player co-op. It, it kind of resembles more like an old arcade game, and it's just like waves and waves of enemies coming from you off-screen. So it's really more of like kind of a survival thing. It, it, it's hard to compare it to like any one thing, but like there's... Because no... it's
0: so original. No... <laughs>
2: Uh, but it's it's just that I probably because it's it you know inspired by so many other things that it's maybe not comparable to any one game. Like it definitely wasn't like we wanted to make like a copy of one thing and to have our take on it. It was like more...
0: a lot of it seems influenced by the idea of wanting to make like a simple game that yeah. could be uh, like in just one screen. And again, it's simple patterns uh, for the enemy. So at first, the idea was let's make something we can make. We can build up quickly and uh, exactly. I think
2: the trickier part now is because it was supposed to be a much simpler game at the start, it's finding like how far we can run with it without going out of control because even now, like, we're far exceeding like our initial uh time budget, okay? So it's it's one of the harder things. And
0: what has made it like go, uh, what has made it expand like that? Being the follow up to Mercenary Kings, (laughs) yeah, it's kind of like you know, being the guy that. You know, has to like
2: do a, a comedy routine after someone just killed, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, <laughs> I have to follow that. So we know we can't really follow it up with something so small, so we just had to m- add more content, but you know, kind of keep it in check.
1: But also, all games are like that. Like, you start with a small idea, and they, they, like, it's like they, they have their own life like they yeah. grow by themselves yeah. like the, the, you, you you start with something small and then it grows with a lot of new ideas and stuff and it becomes a bit like it, it stays the same but it becomes bigger yeah it's
3: and like it's a wildfire <laughs> yeah everything you throw in it will make it bigger yeah. <laughs> so the yeah the, the the important thing is to control it yeah yeah, yeah. That's us keep it not a bad comparison, actually as small as possible. yeah, the only problem is wildfire usually you want to kill them at some point.
2: or <laughs> they end up stuff? killing you? but uh, no and and then of course, there's like other people that get involved because uh, it was initially just supposed to be me and Jonathan doing uh, the game and then other people. Uh, got on board. Steph, of course, is doing the backgrounds, and he's just doing an amazing job.
0: So, what are you doing on the game? You are you created it, but you're also do sprites. You yes. also do uh, what, what else do you do? Uh,
2: basically, I just did like all the uh, initial sprites for it, mm-hmm. and I'm uh, doing the game design. I guess those are, like, the two main tasks for it.
0: How does a game design, like, work day in, day out? Because I see you, like, playing the game a lot, <laughs> so you you are always, like, testing the game over and over to make sure the patterns should be different or stuff like that. Like, what happens in that constant playing?
2: Yeah, well, a lot of times you're, exactly, like, you're testing the things that get corrected. So, like, if, if there's, like, a bug you have to play it over and over to see, like, does this thing work? And then if, a lot of times you're just trying to, like, remind yourself of, like, what you're doing because if there's a day where you don't play it and a lot of stuff gets added, you're like, oh, i got to go back and test it. So, um, and it's a very, very iterative process. Like, you're constantly just doing, like, small things, and then you have to go back and play it, go back and play it. So, I mean, that that's the way sort of we were taught to make games is to, like, just constantly, constantly be playing them to see, you know, the, the product itself grow. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean it's it's just that it's such a small tedious process. It's like you know you do these small changes and then you have to kind of make sure that everything is in check
0: and leaking the all last bits of fun out of your own <laughs> creation until millions of strangers can probably enjoy it. Yeah, it's you you do play
2: these things to death and like even from our like near ten year career at uh, Ubisoft. I don't think there's any one game that we've made that I could go back to even like play. Because you know, you're playing it the whole time during production. I don't know. Do you guys feel the same way or?
1: Yeah, it depends. Yeah. Most of the time yes. I I, I don't need to play the game more than I did during the the whole production. But but sometimes like I, I, I like to go back to, to Scott program just to remember it. <laughs> But yeah, after five minutes, you're crying. Yeah, I'm not gonna play for hours. <laughs> I'm, I'm just gonna play for a couple of minutes and that'll be enough.
2: Like, I feel bad for anyone that doesn't get that chance because, you know, we, we've always had that luxury of making smaller productions and yeah. like being able to play it as we go, like being in a factory where you just do your small part, you know, it just comes to you, you do your part on it, and then you send it off down the chain. Yeah. And
3: mm-hmm. then
2: you play the final product and you're like, well, Nothing. of what I've done is in the game. Yeah, that seems like a nightmare
1: to me. And what's cool with with curses and chaos is that the, this project is small enough that we almost don't need a, a like a design document. Like we we don't have very complicated means of communication. Like we just like
0: your desks you, you, are in front of each
1: other. Yeah, right? yeah. Justin tells me what he wants, and I code it, and that's it. We it's nothing more complicated than that. Your
0: training is as an artist. Like, why would you uh, get into coding? Like, you already did some, or yeah,
1: it's because when I I, I left uh, Ubisoft the first time, right after the um, Game Boy Advance department closed down, I, I wanted to make my own games, but I, I only knew how to make pixel art. I didn't know how to code, and I was alone, so I needed to learn to code to be able to make games. So I I started I started learning it. And I realized that I really liked it, even more than doing pixel art at some point. So I just wanted to keep doing that, even if uh, we now have real programmers (laughs) working with us. But I don't think I'm going to do that for like many projects. It's just once in a while, I want to code a little bit.
2: Yeah. One by one, uh, Jonathan's learning like every discipline that there is to learn in game design. So I imagine one day you're just going to show up with like a synthesizer and be like, "Hey guys,
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe not."
3: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess it's like anything; it's, it's fun in a moderate yeah, yeah. amount.
1: Yeah, I, I wouldn't want to only code games or only doing one task. I, I'm more like a generalist. Like I, li- I, like to do like different things. Like I'm not a ne- an expert in in anything maybe i'm I'm best at doing pixel art but like all the other things i'm just i know how to do it but i'm not like the best at it
2: that's pretty rare though like i mean uh, i remember because you and me both picked up game maker at the same time and we we were running through like the tutorials i think every day we were like on par and then at one point you just like shot past me like in a (laughs) rocket and i was like yeah, I don't think I've got the uh, cognitive capacity for this. Yeah, on the jets.
1: Yeah, I think it's just like it depends on your personality. Like I'm, I'm really tenacious. Um, yeah, I'm OCD for for that kind of thing. Like when when there's something that doesn't work like i don't know how to make it i i stress over it and i can't sleep so i have to figure it out or i i will never sleep again so that's that's how i learn things it's only your sanity
0: is in is in danger yeah exactly yeah uh you've worked on uh, game design design stuff for us because you're a game designer and i've seen you like uh, I've seen you do design docs and pitches. So uh, that aspect of the game, until before there's even like a prototype, how does that work for you? Because I see you, you have notebooks, you always, you're always like doodling things and uh, writing down. So how do you break down game design into a document? Like, Or how does that work for you? Where does it's game design start, <laughs> Dom? What is game design? So I think a,
3: a good game designer always has a bunch of ideas, like tries to think about all, all the games that he could make, and anything that inspires me basically becomes a game somehow in, in, in a book. But it's not a full game, it's just an idea. Uh, so when when I get a, a job like here saying, uh, come up with the next game that we're going to make, then it's, it's about figuring out uh, what the team wants to do and what the team is, would be good at. What the industry is is like today, like what game we could could we could add to that. It's it's very uh, it's very vague. <laughs> uh, so I guess then it becomes about having fun with the ideas and seeing which which one you want to keep working on. And uh, I don't know, it's not easy to take uh, like just a general idea and push it to a full game or even like a game that can go into production. I'm still figuring out. a, a good deal of it every time I, I do the process
1: yeah for me i i like to work on ideas that i have had for a long time like if i had an, an idea for six months or one year or two years yeah. and i'm still motivated about it i i think it's safe to go into production with mm-hmm. it because you're going to be able to go through the, the whole production without losing motivation but if you just come up with something like last week or, and you decide to go into production with it, you might end up like just losing interest in that idea. So it's, because some ideas like the, at first they seem interesting, but yeah, you lose interest after uh, a little while. But, but if an idea has like lived through a couple months or a year, it's safer to, to, to go forward with it.
2: Have you ever come up with like a game idea that you thought was completely original, and then somebody kind of beat you to the punch?
1: All the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it, yeah, it always happened. But I don't really care about that because the the execution is not it's never going to be the same. Like you can always do the same thing that someone else did, but differently. Like there's always a way to do it in your own way.
3: And at some point, you learn that ideas are not worth anything as long as they're yeah. not done, because the execution is what uh, makes it, like you said, makes it evolve and grow into something that's actually fleshed out and interesting. Um, but to your point, that's a, one of the reasons why I'm always sketching everything and always draw, like writing my ideas down, is because as soon as I get an idea for a new game, I'm not going to start from scratch. I'm going to start from a bunch of bits and pieces from stuff that I've thought about before. Yeah. Uh, so it's kind of always building on the past, it's never really like a straight-up new idea that goes into Mm production. I think, uh,
2: uh, and this we learned from one of the game designers we uh, worked with at Ubisoft, Gael, Gael Leger, he's a really cool game designer, and um, everyone was always pitching ideas to him when we were working, because like when you work with a team of creative people that you get along with, it's going to happen that people start pitching ideas. Mm -hmm left and right, and the thing that you, I, I'm, I'm learning is is how to sort of, like, try your best to, 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 like, get as many of those ideas into the production as you can, and which ones not to, too. It's 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 probably a, a bigger part of game design that I'm finding out more and more is, like, just how to sort of manage all of this
3: uh, creative
2: yeah, energy. It's it's part of the
3: challenge, but it's really fun also to be the filter, like, to be the one that has the power, the power to decide what goes into it and what doesn't. Cause
0: you can admit to, like, empower them. Can't can't
3: like them. Like, <laughs> I kind of like it sometimes, I don't know. Uh, but, yeah, uh, you, you get, you're, you're the last call, you're the one that yep. decides. The yeah,
2: and, like, that's that's the thing I like about it, too, is, like, I do work with really good creative people, and it's fun. It's, it's, it's like, what you, you draw energy from. And I'm always kind of amazed at, again, other companies where they actually have to have, like, a creative director. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that makes sense maybe on such a large scale production where you have like hundreds of people and it's hard to sort of like focalize that
3: but i guess the creative director is kind of mixed with game designer here but in companies like gameloft or ubisoft game designers sometimes are just like filling up spreadsheets they're not really like the vision guy yeah Yeah, they
0: they execute someone else's vision Mm -hmm. exactly So, so it's kind of a weird definition depending on where you work it's why wa- it's why working in a in a smaller studio is uh, so much fun. You oh, yeah. can uh, you, you do it yourself. You don't become like a a uh, spreadsheet filler for someone else who thought of an idea, but you have to be the one who makes it work.
1: Mm-hmm. So you have to do all the spreadsheets by yourself.
0: Yeah, yeah. everyone does the spreadsheets. <laughs> Would people like to have another question from uh, from Kim? Oh yeah, because he was asked, he asked also asked us like who are our favorite uh, uh, game development heroes like in the industry and stuff. Jonathan, like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> um,
2: okay, I like uh, uh, I don't uh, Koji Igarashi. I don't know mm-hmm. if I'm pronouncing that right. The guy who kind of helmed Castlevania for the better part of the last decade or whatever. He's he seems like a really cool guy. And, like, Castlevania is a favorite series of mine, and he really took that series to heart, and I think it showed in the final product, so... I'm kind of hoping we'll see more of him, because he had a talk at GDC, where he announced he was going to work on, like, a, a new Metroidvania game, mm-hmm. and we haven't heard much from it since, but, like, I'm hoping he's someone who shows up on Twitter at some point, because I want to know what he's up to.
1: Well, mine is not secret, it's... I'm a big uh, Keiji fanboy, mm-hmm. because Mega Man is one of the reasons why I... I... I make games now, so. But besides that, like Shigeru Miyamoto, I'm not. It's, it's I'm not being it's, very original, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that, they're the best. That reminds me, there's uh,
0: there, there's a story about uh, you guys uh, meeting Mr. Miyamoto, which is it's a, that's, that's a good story, right? Sure. You can tell.
2: Yeah, well, that was in uh, what 2006. Yeah. So we went to E3, and um, we went. Uh, it was you, me, and Vincent, the guy we used to work with at uh, Ubisoft. And Vincent actually went with the intention of meeting him. Like, he bought a copy of Super Mario Brothers with a Sharpie, and he had it around him at all times. Like, I'm going to meet him. You guys watch. So now E3 has come and gone, and we packed our bags uh, before taking off. Uh, the night before, thinking like, well, we'll you know, get up early and have one last breakfast kind of thing. is like, no, nah, you guys are stupid. I'm going to do that tomorrow morning. All right. So we're, we're having breakfast. This is just down the lobby of the hotel. And out of the corner of my eye, I see this like man dressed like head to toe in like a leopard suit. Mm-hmm. And I think this guy is, uh, I'm trying to remember his name, Ashuri Benimaru Ito. He's a guy that works at Nintendo. He's a musician. And he's also with this other Japanese guy, and I think I know who it is, but I'm not sure. And this is like just off like Hollywood Boulevard or something like, and so I had a, like a, I was eating my breakfast and I just went, mm, and I ran out. <laughs> like, cause I know if these guys take a corner, I'm never gonna see him again. Mm-hmm. And I'm running and I'm running and like, I'm catching up to these guys and I'm like, I think I know who this is. <laughs> and then like, as I get right up to them, I'm like, it is, but I hadn't, like full of bagels. <laughs> yeah, I still had my breakfast, so I have
1: like a. Yeah, and, and during that time, I, I I was still eating, and I, I just saw Justin like run out like like crazy, and I was wondering what did he what did he saw outside. Yeah. So I I decided I decided to go take a look. And if if Justin runs somewhere, generally you always follow him. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just in case like something happens, and. Like, uh, he, he was already, like, one block away from me, <laughs> and I, I I looked at him, like, running, but shy at the same time, like, <laughs> hesitant. like. But So, it was r- really weird, but I, I, I saw, like, Miyamoto just a bit further. Sprite size. Yeah. yeah. So Excellent
3: version. So, yeah.
1: I, I immediately understood what, what was happening so i, I sprinted to <laughs> yeah
2: and it was so awkward because like i'm just saying trying to like remember whatever japanese i i had with a mouthful of bagels and i guess he kn- he's he's probably been through worse he's like yeah yeah i understand so uh we took our photos with them, and uh, john got into a bowing contest I guess. yeah
1: yeah because when i, I met uh, miyamoto i i bowed because i don't know Yeah, what else do you do? Yeah, and he bowed in return, but, like, Miyamoto can't bow to me, so I (laughs) I bowed in return, and he bowed in return, so I (laughs) was a Dueling. Yeah, Yeah. it was pretty funny.
2: And, yeah, that was, like, just surreal. So we're just, like, you know, we got our picture taken, this is awesome, and then we have to go back to the hotel, and Vince is like, so, you guys had a good breakfast, huh? We're like, you have no idea. (laughs) Poor guy. So... He desperately went out and tried to find him, but it was so sad. (laughs) But yeah, that's the time we met uh, Shigeru Miyamoto. And then then he missed the plane. never (laughs) saw him ever again.
0: (laughs) Uh, We we hope, wherever you are, Vincent, I hope you're happy. And I hope life is treating you well. And California is great. I hope it is, <laughs> yeah. uh, and uh, I think that's as good as it can be for a sign-off. So, uh, guys, uh, before we leave, uh, where can we find you on the on the internet uh, this week or any other week?
3: Well, you can li- uh, watch us on Twitch now.
0: Yeah, yeah. So once a week or maybe more, you go to Twitch TV slash Tribute Games, and uh, we are going to be there playing uh, playing retro games. So, Imagine start-up. what what. Uh, <laughs> The gold you're listening to right now, <laughs> imagine that transposed on playing a uh, really old Capcom game. Okay. Like, that's the kind of stuff you can uh, look forward to. Okay. So, but you, yourself, Uh, me. Me... uh Yeah, I'm on uh, Twitter at Dom2D. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, Justin
0: underscore Seer. Not
3: really on the internet.
0: <laughs> Stefan is not on the internet. You cannot find him there. If you find him, if you find him there, tell us and we'll remove wherever he is uh, because he can't be online. God damn it, Stefan.
1: <laughs> Joe uh, at Pixel Tau and Twitter. Yes.
0: Uh, you can find me at Yannick Belzil, and, and you can find the company uh, at Tribute Games, and, uh, and our blog is uh, blog.tributegames.com, and that's. And you're hearing machinery uh, behind us because that's how we make games, (laughs) heavy machinery. So uh, thanks for listening and uh, you'll be hearing us next week.